Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for this morning from our epistle lesson, these verses, such confidence as this is ours through Christ before God. Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant. This is our text. And to correct a mistake, it wasn't from our epistle lesson, it's from one of the epistles of St. Paul. So this is a big day for us, and especially for, for Pastor and Sean Fenske. In some ways, it's their day. But I've gotten to know Pastor Fenske pretty well over the last few months, and I can tell you that, that he wouldn't want this day, doesn't want this day, to be about him. He's a pastor, a minister of the gospel, and, and our ministry isn't about us. It's about Christ. So we're not going to be talking too much about Pastor Fenske this morning, but I do want to assure you of this. He is certainly a competent minister. I don't know, how does that sound? Competent. Kind of sounds like satisfactory, maybe, or, or average. Kids on a report card when you were younger, you didn't really want to just get a satisfactory, did you? You wanted better than that. And yet, competent is a good word. It's used positively three times in just two sentences in our text. We'll highlight uh, those for you. Such confidence as this is ours through Christ before God, not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant. So Pastor Fenske is a competent minister. So is Pastor Bender. Pastor Kaiser and Pastor Adams will all be together at the 930 service. All competent ministers whose competence comes from God. Do we have any other competent ministers at St. Lawrence? Got a bunch of them sitting out here in the pews right now. Now, I don't want to confuse the issue. There's a distinction between pastors and, and lay people, and, and that's scriptural. But it's also true that while sometimes we refer to pastors as ministers, which we are, the word minister simply means servant. And all of us are servants of Christ, ministers for Christ, whose competence for ministry, service, comes from God. By the way, competent means having the necessary strength or ability, having the ability to perform well. So today I want to identify what it takes to perform well, to be a competent minister. Listed four characteristics of a competent minister in your sermon outline. I invite you to, to turn to that now. It's on page four of the service folder. All of those uh, qualities or characteristics begin with the letter F. The first 
and foremost trait of a competent minister is that she or he is a person who is forgiven, who has experienced God's forgiveness and expressed that same forgiveness. Now, there's a question there in your sermon outline that asks if you've experienced it. That's a trick question. Sometimes we equate experience with feeling. And so you might read that question, and I, I don't know if I've, if I've really ever felt God's forgiveness, so maybe I haven't experienced it. Well, you have. I can say that unequivocally. You experienced it again today when, when Pastor Bender pronounced the absolution. He said, I forgive you by the power and authority of Christ. When a baby is baptized, that, that what that baby feels is a, a little water splashed on her head. But what that baby experiences is God's grace being poured out upon him, giving him that forgiveness that Christ won for us. When we receive communion again this morning, again we will experience the marvelous grace and forgiveness of our God coming to us in the body and blood of our Lord Jesus. You don't have to be in church to experience God's forgiveness either. Anytime when you ask for that penitently and in faith, you experience God's forgiveness and what a great experience it is. Now, it's a real bonus, isn't it? And I hope you felt that I have to, to feel that forgiveness and, and the way that, that that lifts the burden of guilt. The most important thing is not to feel it. The most important thing is to have experienced it. And what a blessing to know that, that we have done that. Now we're also able to express that forgiveness. It's really what Jesus is talking about in the gospel lesson today when he says you're the salt of the world and the light of the world. That we express to others in our congregation and outside that forgiveness and that love which God has for us. This forgiveness is the new covenant that St. Paul um, talked about in our, in our sermon text. Well, new means that there was an old one, and the, the new has, has replaced the old one, not because the old was bad. It couldn't have been bad. It was from God. But the old had to be replaced, not because it was bad, but because it couldn't be kept. God's people were not up to the task. The kind of obedience that it required was impossible. Not so with the New Covenant. The obedience it requires, it also gives. As God in His grace has determined that faith counts as obedience. It's all because of Jesus. Everything is new and different because of Jesus. This covenant is based solely on His work, not at all on ours. On His obedience, not ours. And so faith counts as obedience. But in this new covenant we know also that faith prompts obedience. This is also new. By nature we're interested in ourselves and taking care of ourselves and serving ourselves. When God calls us to be his own, to be his people, to be his ministers, he gives us a new heart which seeks to serve him and it's that faith that prompts such obedience. Well, secondly, then, the, the second characteristic of a competent minister is, is one who feels. 
What I mean by that is one who feels we'll just add the word compassion. I got to tell you, I'm, I'm going to talk about our daughter, um, Emily, and, and her hospitalization. And uh, some people were watching last night, and I had two people after, afterwards tell me that they were crying during this. So I'm going to back off a little bit uh, on what I said. But one of them was, well, Emily's mom. You would expect her to cry. She's been uh, in the middle of all this. Then we had another one today, I won't single her out, but who said she had tears in her eyes. Well, I think that's a mark of compassion too, isn't it? That kind of a, of a tender heart. So here's the thing, a lot of you know that our daughter Emily has been in the hospital, and she still is, um, down at, at U of M. She had a very major surgery almost two weeks ago, and the idea was she'll have the surgery, she'll get better, it'll take a while, and, and then things will, will be back to normal. Well, they're not back to normal yet. She's had uh, some pretty serious setbacks. This last week was a very difficult one for her and, and also for us. I'm not going to go into a lot of detail on that, um, but it fits in here. Because one of the things that, again, was reinforced for me, and I, I need these lessons regularly, especially when it comes to compassion, because that's not what I'm known for. Um, but, but compassion, how important that is. I'm going to talk about, this was kind of revealed to me, um, not in a supernatural way, but just as I observed uh, what was going on, that really there's a couple key components to Compassion, And the first one is simply to listen. That's the part that I don't always uh, keep too straight. But to listen, I'm going to give you a negative example of that because uh, well, there's more than one doctor or nurse uh, who's been uh, tending to uh, Emily who didn't really bother to listen. But one comes to mind. His uh, name tag was uh, not really very clear, and so Emily never could see his name, so she gave him a name, not to his face. But when she would be referring about him to us, she would just say, Dr. Know-it-all. Because he would come in and he'd be very friendly. How you doing today? But he never waited for the answer. Or when she tried to give him an answer, lots of times he would tell her why it was the wrong answer. Because he didn't listen. And guess what happened as a result of that? Emily pretty much quit telling him anything. What was the point? He wasn't going to listen anyway. Listening comes first, doesn't it? It's a pretty important part of compassion. Now let me, let me just say here, so, uh, so yeah, there's some frustration. We had some again yesterday, some frustration uh, with U of M Hospital. But I got to tell you, there's it's not perfect, but there's still no place where we'd rather have our daughter be because the care she gets there is exceptional, if not perfect. And I bring that up because I think lots of times that's the way it is in a congregation, right? Everybody here has experienced, whether or not you remember it, experienced a time where you were disappointed with something about this congregation. Maybe it was one of the pastors. Could well be one of the pastors. Could be one of the members, somebody sitting around you on Sunday morning did or said something. Something anyway that showed a lack of compassion. And yet, in my estimation anyway, and I hope you'll agree with me, if you're a member of another congregation, I hope you'll think the same about your congregation. There's no better place to be. There's no place I'd rather have my family than right here. Well, the second component to compassion is to act. So to listen 
and also to act. And here I can give you some, uh, I can give you a lot of positive examples. Time doesn't allow that, of course. Uh, but, uh, but I'll give you two. Uh, Emily worked, she's 23 years old, so if you didn't know, she's not a, just a little girl. Um, she worked at uh, U of M Children's Hospital at Mott's as a research assistant in the gastroenterology department, which is her issue. And uh, she worked there for a couple of years while she was a, a student at the School of Nursing there at, at U of M. And she got to know some of the doctors in that department very well. And two of them have been exceptional good friends to her. One of them has shown up at the hospital just about every day uh, that Emily has been there. And Haley is her name, and she's asked some pretty good questions, sometimes some pretty pointed and difficult questions that the doctors at the big hospital, they do things differently than they do at the children's hospital. They didn't always have the answer, and sometimes it put them on the spot a little bit. But she's been such a great advocate. Busy schedule, but acting out of compassion for her friend Emily to, uh, to act in her behalf. And then the other example is uh, Emily is currently is employed at the Children's Hospital of Michigan. That's a part of uh, Detroit Medical Center, downtown Detroit. She's worked there for about nine months in the emergency room, loves her job. She's going to be off work for three weeks, or I mean three months or so, and she hasn't worked there long enough to qualify for disability. Um, insurance. So her co-workers knew that, so uh, the, the last uh, night that, that she worked, they handed her an envelope uh, with really, I don't think they knew this, with just enough money to cover one month's rent of her apartment. They had taken up a, a collection amongst them. And then they have a deal, like a lot of places do, that you can earn uh, vacation time, you can earn hours, um, paid time off that you, that you keep in your bank. A lot of them have transferred their hours to Emily. I don't even know how many, but a lot of them, so that uh, at least for a little while, a paycheck will keep coming for her. See, all of this is about relationships. Compassion strengthens relationships. It's a big part of what uh, Pastor Fenske's position is all about. Strengthening relationships that already exist within the congregation. But compassion can also initiate relationships. Uh, Emily got some flowers from a young man. We're calling him her boyfriend, even though she's never met him. But one of Emily's uh, former co-workers, this is a nephew of her, and he also has Crohn's disease, which is what Emily has. And he sent her flowers and a card. Well, he initiated a relationship. First, he said, well, maybe we ought to get them together. Then I realized, no, that could be an extraordinarily bad idea because they both have Crohn's and there's some genetic uh, link there, and so that wouldn't bode well for, uh, for any kids they might have. But, so a, a little bit of a relationship anyway initiated there just by a simple act of compassion. Feeling and compassion and compassion very important to competent ministry. You can't fake it. You can't minister very effectively without it either. Well, that was the longest point in the outline. Uh, the next one is a uh, competent minister is one who's not afraid to fail. We don't want to fail. We don't like to fail. But we're not afraid to take chances that sometimes result in failure. An example from last weekend. We, we tried to set a world's record for uh, most people Christmas caroling. It's a dismal failure. We got about half of the people that we wanted fell 500 people short of setting the record. Dismal failure. Or was it? We succeeded in getting 1,300 people together on a hot July afternoon to have a little fun, mostly. 
but also in a, in a pretty casual way to glorify God as we walk through a neighborhood, 1,300 people singing Christmas carols. If we'd have been afraid to fail, we never would have tried that. We went to have the fun. We went to have glorified God in that little way, anyhow, as we uh, did that. Lastly, a competent minister is one, a person who is focused. Now, I know that the ability to multitask is both a blessing and a curse. At least I've been told that I'm, I'm not able uh, to multitask. I also know that the ability to focus is necessary. And that's what I want to think about right now. That we focus like a laser on the one who came into the world and who sends us out into the world that we focus and refuse to be distracted by all the things that are swirling around us, that we focus on our Savior, his love for us, his will for us, his mission given to us to go into the world and to make disciples, or as we say it in our St. Lawrence mission statement, to show by word and deed how beautiful it is to live with Jesus. When we focus on his love for us and let that love shine through in our lives, others see that. We show them what a beautiful thing it is to have a beautiful Savior. So four traits of competent ministers. person who, who is forgiven, who feels, who's not afraid to fail, and who is focused. And a fifth word, beginning with F, Especially for preachers, some of you would say, a man of few words. Well, it's too late for me to fit that description right now, but I can end with one word. Amen. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.